social media can be both a blessing and a curse. Sometimes the people that seem the most squared away are the ones with the most troubling lives. This may have been the case for our story today about the death of social media influencer Alexis Sharkey. The Zodiac Killer. Everybody's heard of him, right? But did you know about his various ciphers, including the last one that was finally solved in December of 2020? From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Miss That? I am Christine. And I am John. And it sounds like both of our stories are from this last year. Yes, more or less. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, your starts. The bulk of my stories from the 60s and 70s, but yes, this um, most recent development is from December of 2020. Yeah, well, mine happened just recently. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Let's get started. Awesome. Real quick. Yes. Shout out to Matt for last week's episode. Oh, yes. So much fun. Thank you, baby. Brother. And I hope everyone enjoyed the deviation from the path where we just kind of chatted as friends versus covering stories. But we're back at it this week with the stories. The stories. Well, I've got a good one for you guys tonight. And it was it. something that I had seen on several of my own group boards of people talking about it. And I was like, what is this all about? And so I read deep into it and I'm shocked with the amount of people that knew this woman. Like, how is this not something that's being talked about more often that I see like a little bit more in mainstream social media, not just my like little obscure groups that I'm in. Mm -hmm. So, so you mean, how did we miss that? How did we miss that? You know, quickly. Yeah. We should do a show on all of your groups. (laughs) I'm certain there is some kind of crime that has to do with groups. There's got to be something. What do you mean? Someone who's been raped or kidnapped or something that happened through a social media group. Through a group? I mean, that Don't okay. F With Cats show was kind of right. had to do with groups and whatever. Well, yeah, but that's like web sleuthing. That's a big deal. There's got to be something crimey going on with mm, I'll have to look. the various groups out there. As I'm far just saying, as I know, my groups are pretty mild, but... Yeah, yours are. I'm just saying the groups in general. I feel like there's some and content here. Yeah. I feel like there's some content here. We should I'll, take, I'll take a, deep a look. Dive. I mean, yeah. I did the Twitter guy. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll look. All right. Well, we're going to go back in time, if you will, to a time before Alexis was a social media influencer. She was born Alexis Robinault. Sharky's her maiden name or her married name, not her maiden name. Excuse me. And she was born on January 25th of 1994. So I already feel really old. I'm sorry. All I can think about right now is I'm a little bit Alexis. <laughs> Even when I'm not. <laughs> Every time I hear that oh, name now. Alexis. Thanks to Shit's Creek. Good anyway. old Alexis Rose. Yes, she's not Alexis Rose. Yeah, but listen, for the record, you're not really old, but I, I feel you. 1994? I know. This I woman, was a freshman in high school. Insane. Like, come on. Even my baby brother, who we just spoke to last week, yeah. was born in 93. Yeah. So, I was well on my way to becoming a man in 94. So I yeah, get it. Yeah. In- insane. Yeah. Well, anyway, her goal after graduating from college was she was going to go on to medical school. But when she finally graduated, like I'm sure a lot of graduates do, she was super burned out from working so hard at school that she decided she was going to travel. She wanted to spend some time just being with herself and relaxing. So where do you naturally go when you want to travel? Europe. Texas. Oh, yes. Yeah. I always hear about people taking their... uh you know, break from life, backpacking across Europe. <laughs> yeah, no, she decided she was going to go to Texas. Okay. So she makes this big move. She moves out to Texas. She gets settled in and she begins to work at a sports bar called Twin Peaks. Oh, I've heard of this. So, yeah. I'm <laughs> sure if you can just focus on the name for like five <laughs> seconds, you could probably figure out what kind of establishment this was. 
Let's just say she wasn't, you it's know, got a lodge formally feel, dressed right? or anything. Yeah, it's, it's lodgy, right? It has to do with mm. mountain peaks and she, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, totally it, about camping and yes, bears. And nothing to do with boobs. Nope. Nothing to no. do with those at no, all. Not at all. Well, it did not take long for Alexis to start getting the attention of one of the bar's regular customers, mm-hmm. Tom Sharkey. Now, I'm sorry, but Tom Sharkey sounds like, you know, hey, yo, I'm Tom Sharkey, right? I mean, it sounds like a gangster or something. I guess. I, guess. Like I don't a, know. That it sounds like just, a nickname, not like a real name. Right. It was just kind of a strange name. But anyway, yeah. so we got good old Tom here. Now, she was nearly in her early 20s, I believe, at this point in time. And Tom had already been divorced. He had already had two kids. And wait for it. He was in his mid-40s. Mm. So they're into each other pretty quickly. And within a month's time, she realizes that she's spending so much time at her job, working so hard for so little money that she really just wanted to slow down. She decides to begin working for the MLM Monate. So I'm just going to take a quick pause here from our story. For those of you that don't know what an MLM is, it's actually a business where you're like an independent contractor and you sell products for this business. But then it's also up to you to like recruit people to be underneath you. And that's where you kind of get the money. Oh, is this like um, the bags you used to sell and all yeah. that stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm, like okay. 31. Mm-hmm, what does exactly. MLM stand for? Do you know? I do. And I forgot now. Okay. No oh, big deal. Uh, Everybody can Google it. Don't mul- waste your time. Multi-level marketing, I think. Something like sure. that. Yeah. Something like that. Hey, I was just looking at Tom Sharkey. He was also a boxer, famous boxer. He kind of looks like, like it old, from his pictures. Not him. Oh. There's another Tom Sharkey. Oh. He's like an old timey. I was going to say this guy know, looks pretty beefy fist too. Fisticuffs boxer back in the day all right cool yeah this guy is beefy yeah all right so i told you what an mlm is i also need to tell you what monate is for those of you that don't know it's actually a skincare and hair care line i think your mom actually mm, gave I think us I've some heard of detangler yeah. from monate i think jeffrey's girlfriend or something thanks it. mom i don't know anyway so she works for this mlm monate she works really hard and eventually she becomes executive director oh so I looked at the website, the Monate website, and I did some some sleuthing of my own. And it actually turns out that based on the website, you can make up to 99000 a year as an executive director. Wow. That's it? Apparently. I mean, like for a person in her early 20s, 99000 a year ain't so bad. I think anybody, 99000 a year is not bad. No, that's great. I just think that... Um from where I where I roll, the title of executive director seems like it would be more than that. Oh, I see what that you're That seems saying. like the big cheese, big time. Yeah. I mean, technically with an MLM, I mean, you are working for the company, but you're kind of working for yourself as well. Yeah, those things are weird. So it is really strange. They're I'm very glad strange. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. They're great for a side hustle. Full-time job, right. not so sure. Exactly. Yeah. Not so much. All right. Well, now that she's making all this money, she decides to focus more on her influencer business. And begins posting about her life constantly, sometimes every few hours. Of course, her life looks perfect, as they often do. Mm-hmm. And she eventually makes it to 22,000 Instagram followers, which according to hashtagforlikes.co is over 146 times the national average of 150 followers. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's not too shabby. She's well, doing I'm, pretty good. I'm happy to hear I'm above average with my 468. What? How do you have that many followers? I don't know. I probably don't even know half of them. Sometimes people just follow and like, cool, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, a lot of her posts are about trying to recruit people for Monate. So her and Tom continued to date. And by the summer of 2019, they decided to make it social media official. Mm. And they got engaged and decided to move to Colorado like you do. Okay. Yeah. And that actually didn't last very long. (laughs) And they decided to move back to Texas. Before they did that, though, they took a 25-day road trip through the country, vlogging the whole way. Vlogging? Vlogging. Vlogging. I thought you said flogging. Like, who are they flogging? Each other? Molly? Yeah. Whoever Molly is. I like that. (laughs) Thanks. Good. No, vlogging. Vlogging. Video vlogging. Video blogging. Yes. Vlog. Turned into vlog. I like it. Right. And I'm actually, this got me thinking, when we took our nine-day road trip, why didn't we do that? I, I mean, the podcast wasn't a thing yet. Right. And we are not very much into uh, visual media. We're more, uh, you know, audio only. people really want to see. 
any of this. So I think they might, but it's just Maybe. not our thing. And had we had the podcast, you better believe we would have been. That would have been cool. Recording on location the whole time. All right. Well, anyway, of course, they look super happy and like they're living the dream, but you never know how true that is, right? Like who documents bad times? Nobody ever posts when things are terrible, except one of my friends who's constantly looking for attention. Upset. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people do because <laughs> they're either looking for attention or they're always upset. Yeah. She's but, a really yeah. negative person. Everything's doom and gloom all the time. That's why I only believe 10% of what I read on social media. Right. Well, in December of 2019, they finally get married. They just did it like at a courthouse in Colorado, like nothing huge, I guess, before they went on their trip. At this time, Alexis is 26 and Tom is 49. Alexis decided that she wanted to make some new friends now that they were getting settled in in Houston. And she uses an app called Bumble BFF, which according to Bumble.com is the friendship mode of the dating site Bumble. Oh, I was going to say, I think I've heard of Bumble. Yeah. And I've heard of Bumble Bee Tuna. Mm. Delicious. This is Bumble BFF. That's correct. It just helps you find friends. I should, we should get on this. I know. We don't have any friends. Yeah. Except for all of you listeners. Of Sorry. Course. Yeah. Well, I had no idea that this was a thing. So there, that's what we missed. My story's over. Great. I, yeah, that's I didn't know done. either. That's what we missed. Cool. Just kidding. All right. Should I cue the music? Yep. All done. right. Good. Anyway, she meets a woman named Tanya Ricardo who invites her to dinner with her own circle of friends. And according to her, everyone just loves Alexis right away. She's like really personable. She's positive and bubbly and everybody just really takes to her. And she, of course, is going to introduce everybody to Monate. So now they've become this like crazy clique of super boss babes. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah. Right. Coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Next summer. Well, the ladies are getting along really well. Everything seems awesome, though they realize that she doesn't really talk about her husband very much. But then the pandemic hits. We all know where we were when that happened, right? Wasn't that long ago. We're still in it. We're still in it. Yeah. How could one forget? Right. Yeah. So that brings us to the terrible thing that the story is about. Not the pandemic. Something worse. Yeah. Equally as terrible is the pandemic, but right. I'm sure this is worse. All right. Well, you had to know that it wasn't going to be a great story, right? I mean. Not on this show. Not on this show. <laughs> so we are now in November of 2020. Okay. Right around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. She had talked to her mom on the phone to let her know that she was not going to be coming home for Thanksgiving. Her mom felt like it was strange that Alexis didn't come home as much as she usually did. They were a really super close, tight-knit family. But she decided to make her promise that she was going to come home for Christmas. A home is nearby? Did I miss uh, that? Her home is in Pennsylvania. Oh, so not nearby. Well, she has an excuse. I mean, travel was kind of right, iffy and whatever. Yeah. But it sounds like before this and before maybe the Tom era, she was home quite often. Yeah. Based on the interview. I'm just saying, that her but there gave. wasn't a pandemic then right. either. So Agreed. she has an out. All right. So Thanksgiving Day, November 26th of 2020. Alexis decides to stay home that morning and relax because she was going to go have dinner at Tanya's house that night. She showed up for dinner, but she didn't bring Tom with her. At around midnight, she Wait, left. Wait, the turkey Tom or her husband No, Tom? her husband oh, okay. Tom. You got to clarify. It's Thanksgiving. Tanya already had Tom. Why would you bring your own turkey? What is this? B-Y-O-T? <laughs> I don't know. You bring you your own know. turkey to Thanksgiving? These Friendsgiving what? things are weird. They're like a big potluck. Right. That's so true. That's you true. never know. No, she did not bring Tom her husband, husband or Tom the, the turkey. turkey. Okay, gotcha. Okay. At around midnight, she left the dinner saying that another friend was going to pick her up. Her and that friend went out to a bar and they stayed out drinking until around three in the morning. As people here in America know, the next day after Thanksgiving is... um, Dark colored Friday. Yes. Yeah. Just, I just want to be safe. Right. <laughs> it is called Black Friday. Yes. And so for those of you that are not in America... This is a day full of, like, violence and debauchery and sales. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Depending on where you go. It's basically shopping all day, and it's a super big deal for companies. Yes. And it's especially a big deal for MLMs. Really? Yeah, it really is. I wouldn't think it would be. Don't you remember when I did 31, I always had, like, the Black Friday sales? Yeah, I just figured it'd be, like, a Cyber Monday big deal versus no, no, Black no, Friday. no. 
since it's all web base. No, it's a big deal for MLMs as well. The more you know. So while everyone in the Monate company is posting like crazy all morning, Alexis is strangely not present. She's not posting like at all. Now, remember I told you she would post sometimes a few times an hour? Yeah. So this is not usual. But around 5.30 p.m., a group text comes through from Alexis asking everyone what they were up to because she wanted to go out. Most of them were still busy or they had guests over from Thanksgiving or they're dealing with this Black Friday thing because, remember, she recruited them all from Monate. Yeah. So they decide that the next day they were going to all get together for a girl's day. That was the last time that anyone would ever hear from Alexis. It was, that was between about 6 and 6.30 p.m. Okay. A few times per hour seems a little extra. Most influencers right. that I know are like once a day. Max. Right. And that, that's about the average for, you know, your normal Instagram posts. But like as we've found with like our business and our podcast, the yeah. more that you post, the more. Yeah. It tricks the algorithm. Yeah. So yeah. The, the more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? activity that you get and then like you get pushed to the top of things Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably how she got so many followers at some point here yeah if it's good for business i guess yeah well a few hours later tom texts the boyfriend of one of alexis's friends asking if they had heard from alexis he said that they had had a fight and that alexis had left and he hadn't heard from her and this was like 11 o'clock by the way Hmm. The friend actually recalled that he spent 45 minutes telling in detail everything that had happened that night, which he thought was really strange. It's that's just weird, right? Yeah. I mean, why do you have to recall every single like I would just be like, hey, have you seen John? No. OK, thanks anyway. I'm not going to be like, well, this happened and that happened. And I'm not going to spend 45 minutes. I, I'm looking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like it's weird. M- yeah. Most people wouldn't even know that anyway. Unless they've got some kind of master plan. Right. It was weird. So actually, in fact, later, Tom would end up changing his story several times. So he spends 45 minutes telling this entire story, but then ends up changing it a bunch of times. So that's the first weird red flag thrown up here. Yes. So now we're at Saturday, November 28th. The group chat is in full swing with plans for their girls day. But Alexis is not answering any of the texts. So Alexis was actually literally attached to her phone. Anyone that runs their own business knows your phone's like your office. Like you don't leave your phone, (laughs) you know? And for somebody that's making so much money like her, it had to have been blowing up constantly. So this was just really, really weird to her friends. So they decide they're going to check her social media and they find that even more strangely, she hadn't posted anything in 12 hours. Yeah. So that's weird. It's really strange. Well, they decide to still meet up and carry on with their plans, expecting that Alexis would probably just end up showing up, but she never came. They tried calling her several times, but her phone was just going to voicemail. Around 12.30 p.m., Tanya decides she's just going to go over to Alexis and Tom's house and see what is going on. She knocks and knocks and no one answers. This is when she gets a call from a woman named Stacy, who says that she had been talking to Tom who told her everything and had been calling all the friends trying to see if they had seen Alexis. So Stacy is actually Alexis's mother. But I don't think the girls knew Stacy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So at around 9 p.m., her friends decide to file a missing persons report with the police. The friends? Yeah. <laughs> like, where the heck's Tom? He's out looking. Apparently. But can we, like, get the police involved here? Yeah. I, I mean, if you're a bad guy, no, you don't want to get the police I guess involved. That's true. You know, I just got to say, the way you were telling this, I thought Alexis was the bad person. Why? I, I don't know. I just that, I, that's where my brain went. Like Tom was never around. I thought maybe she was doing nefarious things, mm. and then all of a sudden it flipped. And oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Well, it's just okay. Well, now it's not true. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just my brain <laughs> know, maybe is, it is messed up. We've I got don't a know. couple things in here that maybe okay aren't so lovely, but right. we'll, we'll get there. So yeah, the friends file a police report. They're posting all over social media, trying to let everyone know that she's missing. But what they did not know was that actually that morning, just four miles away from Alexis and Tom's apartment, a city worker had found a body. Mm-mm. 
The body was placed on the side of the road on I-10 west of downtown Houston. They described the body as being naked but extremely clean. Quote, like she had just gotten out of a bath. The driver that first saw her actually really truly thought that she was a mannequin. But as any of us true crime lovers know, it is never a mannequin. No. Anyway, so he decides to call his supervisor because he thought it was just really strange. He thought he should report it. So the supervisor comes, he checks it out. He realizes that it is, in fact, an actual body, and he calls 911. So it's Sunday morning now, and Alexis's family still does not know that the body that was found would turn out to be Alexis. And Tom is asked to come in and identify his wife's body. Now we're going to get into some strange stuff here. Her body was actually found with no visible signs of trauma, no blood, no wounds, nothing. Like, at all. Poison. That was one of the theories that was talked about online. I, I mean, it's got to be, right? We'll find out. They So because of this, they actually weren't even treating this as a homicide investigation, like initially. But because she was so prominent in social media, the story kind of started blowing up. Yeah. And a bunch of people were giving their ideas for what could have actually happened to Alexis. And some theories were poison, was one of them. Maybe an accidental overdose. But after interviewing everyone that she knew, they were pretty certain that she didn't do this to herself. And then the information started coming out about her relationship with Tom. Of course, this is all alleged. It's completely unsubstantiated, really. He's innocent until proven guilty. So I'm not saying he's guilty. But you make your own decision <laughs> on that one. Read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. A friend did say that she was planning on leaving Tom, that she often feared for her life, and that the couple had already split their bank accounts in preparation for being separated. Mm. Apparently, papers were actually already drawn up, and all they needed to do was sign them. So, I mean, to me, this changes everything, right? Absolutely. We originally think they're yeah. this, like, happy couple, and social media shows them, like, live in the dream. Yeah. But apparently, that's not the case. Well, it gets better. It suddenly gets out that during a trip to Tulum, Alexis met a man named Sebastian. He was a DJ that was actually based in Houston, and apparently they really hit it off. We don't know much about this relationship, but what does end up coming out was that he was the friend that picked her up from Thanksgiving dinner. Remember I told you she left around midnight with a friend? Yeah. So it was this guy. It's not clear whether Tom knew about this relationship, but there are a lot of speculation and rumors online. So... What friends could not shake was how much Tom's story kept changing. So I told you he spent, you know, all this time telling everybody his story, but that it kept being completely different. Yeah. For example, he told one of his friends named John that Alexis had stormed out of the house barefoot after their argument. But then he told someone else that she left wearing running shoes and sweats. Then he said that the last time he saw her, she was climbing over their fence and was leaving with someone in a black car. But then he said that she left on foot. <laughs> One version he tells says that she left her phone at the house. And in another, he says that she had it with her and that he used the Find My Friends app to follow her around. So apparently at that point, he lost her and decided to pull over and try and figure out what to do next. This is when he started calling around asking her friends if they had seen her. I don't know. I mean, according to police, he was really cooperative, but... A little is, too cooperative. This is just weird. Like, yeah. W what is it? What story is it? You know, my my one of my favorite quotes of all time by Mark Twain is when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. I know. The problem is when you're lying or covering something up, you forget what you said two days ago. Right. Unless or you've written it all down. You told what to. Exactly. That's why the really good killers, the really good criminals, they like rehearse this stuff. Right. Write it down, guys. Yeah. Murdering tip number, what, three of the show? Yeah. We've given a few so far. Throw them in the ocean. Yeah. Use a meat grinder. No. What did I say la the week before last? Well, these that are just the ones one. I've given. Don't throw them in a river. If you're going to go body of water, yeah, go ocean. ocean. And if you're going to try to dispose of the body, grind that shit up. Like, just pulverize it so it's hard to determine what it is. And now, this one, write it down. Do you want another really interesting tip? Yeah. So, if you're going to put... A body into like a wood chipper, for example. Mm -hmm. 
You want to make sure that it's frozen so that the flesh doesn't gum up the teeth. Oh, I, you know, I knew that. Yeah. Not from killing people. Not from killing you. No, not from your grinding my well. own burgers. It's better to have it a little really a little cold frozen. instead of room temperature yeah. for the same reason. Mm-hmm. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Next the time I, you know, next time I murder someone, I will make sure that they are frozen. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there's not too much of this story. All we have is what he's telling us. But the road where she was found, it's actually a bit secluded. But there is a beauty shop that has a camera that was facing where her body was left. But police have not said anything or released this footage. And I would have to think, though, that if it showed Tom in any way, they would definitely have him in custody. Yeah. I mean, so it's either that it doesn't show him or it doesn't show a face or maybe it doesn't show anything at all. We don't know because they are not releasing this to the public. They haven't talked about it. They haven't said anything about it. All we know is that this tape exists. Yeah. So we don't know what's on it. Who knows what it shows? We have you, no idea. You have to have the most up-to-date, expensive, top-of-the-line cameras to see that kind of distance. So I'm, right. I'm certain they don't have... They well, probably have something, but not enough. Right. It's dark. I'm sure it's yeah. not the best quality. Yeah. I, I just have to think that if it showed something substantial, we would have more information on this. Yes. So it's obvious that Tom is a prime suspect. It usually is. The husband's usually linked suspect number one. And maybe he did have something to do with it. But because of the attention this case was getting, Tom decided he was going to do an interview in which he explained that Alexis may have seemed really happy and carefree to everyone else. But around Tom, she was completely different. She was often upset and had low self-esteem. He was constantly having to build her up, having to make her feel better, constantly comforting her. And he was saying that that was really wearing on him. Then he completely denied the fight that he told everybody that they had had that night. And her family and friends have actually since refuted Tom's account of Alexis's attitude and behavior. Hmm. So there's another change to a story. He told yeah. all of the friends and the family that they had a big fight and she ran out. Now he's saying they didn't have a fight. So I don't know, Tom. Gotta I don't get know. your story straight, buddy. Sharky. Little, uh, little su- sus. Little sus, as little the kids sus. would say. Yeah. Finally, though, in January of this year, the medical examiner announced that the manner of Alexis's death was officially a homicide. All right. And that she died by strangulation. Oh. Yeah. But that leaves marks, right? I, I have no idea how it possibly didn't. I, I honestly don't know, but Ooh. that's what they've determined. Maybe he used the Monate <laughs> body products to cover the marks. That would be be very interesting. Holy shit. But I think they would be able to see that. I mean, they'd clean her up. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, but how many days know. between strangulation and finding her and all that, the marks could have faded. And if he covered them with makeup so much so to make her look like a mannequin. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Monet murder. <laughs> I'm sure the company would be thrilled that or their Monet's products can murder, cover I mean. up. Yeah. Strangulation. Yeah. Yeah. Can uh, put that on the bottle. Make yep. your face glow and cover up all your spousal abuse bruises. There you go. And strangulation marks. We shouldn't make light of <laughs> spousal abuse. We're not. No one's laughing over here. You are. You just laughed. You, ch- you chortled. I just made chortled. Yeah. I just made a new business model for Monate. All right. <laughs> all right. So now this just makes the rumors about Tom and his behavior even worse. Yeah. He posted some creepy things actually on social media and he even referred to Alexis in the past has, past tense before they even found her body, which that's Jesus. always like red flag. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. There was like this one post. I, should, I should put it up on post on social media on our social media. He was basically like, oh, we always talked about growing old together. And I always told you that I would beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I get it because he's trying to say that he's much older than her. Yeah. But that's a little creepy, dude. Yeah. Like, that's not the right thing to say at no. this point in time. No, not at all. No. So, yeah. <laughs> but we don't know anything, right? So the medical examiner listed Alexis under her maiden name, which was a mistake, but still. She did list Tom as her next of kin, and this actually means that that person has a lot of power over what happens to the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, Alexis's mom wanted her bury- her body to be buried at home 
At first, her and Tom agree that this is what they're going to do, but then Tom completely stops talking to her. Like, just totally ghosts her. No communication whatsoever between her and the family. Hmm. And he, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was say also very sus. Right. Well, and then, even worse, he never comes to collect the body. (laughs) He leaves the body at the medical examiner's office. So, after two weeks of trying to contact him and having him come down and get the body, the medical examiner finally changes the next of kin to her family. Oh, they can just do that? Apparently. Wow. So he changed it to her mother and then they released the body to her family. So they have a small funeral in her hometown and there's really nothing else we can do but wait. Yeah. You know what? This just in though, however, actual cause of death, COVID-19. Of course. Everybody that died in the I'm past sure year is COVID-19. COVID when she died. So. Yeah. So that is the story. I forgot to tell you at the top of my story where I got my aunt. He hasn't been arrested yet? Nope. What is going on here? I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to follow this. Uh, this is still like really new, really fresh. Yeah. Obviously, January of 2021, which is not that far away, was the last we got uh, an update on the story. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Um, but I did want to share my sources for this story. Oh, and there we go. Disappeared. I really need to do some studying up on law and stuff because I don't understand how there's not enough here. Because all they have is hearsay of what her friends said. They don't have any proof of any of this. Like her friends could say, oh, yeah, she was scared of him. He was abusive, but she never reported it. There aren't pictures of bruises or anything like that. So there's nothing they can do. They got to have proof. You can't. The guy's crazy story's not enough? I mean, that would drive me nuts as no, an investigator. it's not enough. That's why I can't be a detective right. circling back to last I, week's show. I couldn't be a prosecutor. I, I can't. Like I, a district attorney. There's no way. I I'd would be, be so, so mad when I can't Yeah, I'd be so this. pissed if I uncovered all this information, sat in on these interviews, and then I can't do anything about it. Yeah, they've got to have actual proof. Somehow. Oh my God, they're driving me crazy. I know. So my sources for this story were true crime YouTuber Kendall Ray. An article from NBC News, an article from KHOU 11, and an episode of an ABC Eyewitness News. So, yeah. I hope we can get some justice for Alexis. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. All right. So, I only have two sources. Wikipedia. Of course. Of course. Where would we be? And have you heard of Nerdist? Or I think it's The Nerdist or Nerdist. Yeah, I think it's just... Maybe it's Nerdist. Nerdist. I don't know. It covers all things pop culture, news stories, whatever. Nerdy. Formerly um, owned and operated by Chris Hardwick. Oh, it's not any longer? No, I think he sold it off and doesn't oh, have. that's sad. He did such a it, great re- job. Remember a couple of years ago, someone came out and me too'd him and yes. like accused him. At that time, I remember hearing that he was not officially associated with Nerdist anymore. Like he had, um, not because of it, but he had like sold it off or something. Right. <laughs> Because Nerdist came out and made a statement like, oh, yeah, he was our creator, but we don't talk to him anymore or something. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> don't because cancel it was us. <laughs> found to not be. Yes, of course. Yeah. Just true. like a lot of that stuff is. So I wanted to talk about the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. Do you know about him or her? <laughs> I guess that we don't even know if it's a him. <laughs> we can assume based on. Weren't there phone calls? Well, we saw a movie we called did. Zodiac that came out in 2007 with uh, Jake calls. Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. There were letters. I know there were letters, but I thought there was a couple of phone calls There may too. have been, but I mean, who knows? You don't really know. don't know. This this one's still right. open as well. Yeah. Has not been solved. Mm-hmm. Well, for those of you that have been living under a rock, the Zodiac Killer is the pseudonym of a, an American serial killer who operated in Northern California from at least the late 1960s to the early 1970s. There's still a lot of murders that we're not sure. He claimed he did 37. They can only prove seven, nine victims, two of them lived. So those are the only ones they have proof of that he was involved with. I'm going to say he or she because I'm not sold yet. (laughs) Equal opportunity over here. Lovely, Um, darling. But he claimed in one of his letters, which we'll get into in a minute, that he did 37 and there's been other cold cases that have kind of been roundabout associated with him. Right. Like the same, you know, MO yeah, and same, stuff like same that. methodology, stuff like that. Pin it. Yeah. Same geographical areas, same type of targets, stuff like that. So allegedly it's from the late 60s to early 70s, but it, who knows? It could still be going on today, I guess. 
I mean, somebody alive back then would still be alive now, yeah? More or less? Mm. Depending on how old I mean, they were back then? It depends on how old they were back then. And then, I mean, I can't imagine somebody very old being able to overpower people enough to <laughs> yeah. kill them. But. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned, his kind of signature thing um, was from a series of taunting letters and cards that he sent to San Francisco Bay Area Press, mm-hmm. uh, mainly the San Francisco Chronicle and a few others. Um, the letters included cryptograms or ciphers. Do you know what those are? I do, thanks to Benjamin Gates. Yes, and um, <laughs> yes, and Tom Lang. Lang? Who? No, oh, Tom, Langdon. Uh, Langdon. I think. Tom Langdon was a drag racer I raced with. I'm no. not sure. Was no, it also Tom Langdon? Me. I thought it was anyway, Tom from, from Angels and Demons and um, the Da Vinci, da Vinci Code. Code. Yes. Code breaking. The Zodiac murdered five known victims in Benicia, Vallejo, Robert Nap- Langdon. Robert Langdon. Napa County and San Francisco, respectively, between December 1968 and October 1969. He targeted young couples. With two of the men surviving the attempted murder... He also murdered a male cab driver. The Zodiac himself, so this says himself Mm -hmm. or herself, (laughs) once claimed to have murdered 37 victims, like I said, um, and he's been linked to several other cold cases. The San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive in April 2004. Oh, really? All the way to 2004, huh? But reopened it at some point prior to March of 2007. The case also remains open in the city of Vallejo, as well as in Napa County and Solano County. The California Department of Justice has maintained an open case file on the Zodiac murder since 1969. How did I miss that? I had no idea. I yeah. thought it was just kind of inactive, like you said. I didn't know that they opened it back up again. I mean, a lot of people not from California don't quite understand this, as we've found since we moved out here. Right. NorCal and SoCal might as well be two different countries. So that's probably how we missed it. It's At not, least it's different states for sure. Yeah. It's so far away. I mean, it's a, it's hella far away. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like we still would have heard about this. It was like national news back then. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We missed it. I The first I had even heard of this was when we saw the movie in 07. I had no idea about well, it. Well, I knew this. about I didn't know much about it. Like I had. I had heard about it, but I didn't know, like, I just knew tiny bits and pieces. Like, I didn't know the whole story. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned in the top of the show, in December of 2020, the most confusing and difficult cipher was finally cracked. Amazing. That came across my social media recently. I'm not sure why. It's just a recycled story. Slow news day, I guess. But Nerdist, who I follow on Facebook, popped up and I said, oh, cool. I want to get more into this. So I would like to talk more about the ciphers because I feel like most people, except for me and apparently you, know a lot about the murders and stuff like that. Right. Right. So I think I'd have to go back and make sure because could, it could have been my personal page. But I'm pretty sure in December when it actually came out, we posted about it. I think I put the new story up. Did this podcast exist in, two, in December of 2000? So it could have been my personal 20? page, but I'm pretty sure I posted about it. Well, I was it, like, whoa, this is amazing. It had to have because this is like episode 26 or 27 and that's 27 yeah. weeks. So it had to have because we're only in April. So yeah, we're maybe. We're 25. Maybe it did. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I All know. right. Anyway. While you're talking, I'm going to check it out. On August 1st, 1969, three letters prepared by the killer were received at the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. Those are all newspapers, in case you weren't aware. The letters were nearly identical, and they were subsequently described by a psychiatrist to have been written by someone you would expect to be brooding and isolated. Yeah. I've always wanted in my life to be described as brooding. Sounds so mysterious. John was always in his office brooding, brooding. I think of James Dean. Yeah, in the positive sense, but I also think of it as someone who's like, I feel like Osama bin Laden was brooding a lot, thinking about how can I kill the infidels. I thought brooding was just like being super emo, dark, and yeah, like emo and. I thought it was someone who's always like plotting and hmm. planning demise. Right? I don't know. Anyway. Like the brain? Yes. The letters took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road, which was one of the murders, and Blue Rock Springs, which was another one. Each letter also included one-third 
of a 408 symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed contained his identity. 408? Yeah. Can you imagine trying to break that? mackerel. I can't imagine trying to write that. Yeah. Insane. The killer demanded they be printed on each paper's front page or he would cruise around. And he always spelled things weird. So cruise is spelled here without the I. It's C-R-U-S-E. So well, his then that probably made it even harder to figure out because things aren't spelled properly. Correct. And so you had to try Boy. to interpret what it was and unknown if he did that on purpose or not. Um, but he said he would cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over one weekend. Hmm. Well, the Chronicle said, screw you, buddy. And they published the third cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition instead of the front page. An article printed alongside the code quoted Vallejo police chief saying, we're not satisfied that the letter was actually written by the murderer and requested that the writer write a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. So they tried to like sell him out in the press to see if he would write another one. Yes, I remember that being a thing. The threatened murders did not happen and all three parts were eventually published. I did. I posted on December 11th. Oh, there you go. That's when the article first came out. How did I miss that? How did you miss that? Did I like it? Um, two people gave it the oh. Was wow it face. our uh, social media for this show? Mm-hmm. Oh, what a freaking idiot I am! Should I even continue? Yes, absolutely. So continue. Old news. Well, sorry, folks. It took this long to research this in-depth presentation I'm giving you. It did four months. Okay. On August seventh, nineteen sixty-nine, another letter was received at the Examiner. With the salutation, dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. <laughs> I'm going to start doing this. It's very respectful. Dear audience, this is John speaking. This is John speaking. <laughs> this was the first time that the killer used his name for identification or, you know, a name. I don't think his name is like Bob Zodiac think... or anything. But No, no. And I, th- they gave that to him, right? No, he did in this letter. He gave his own. He, he gave put, it his dear name editor, to this is the Zodiac speaking. So it's the first time. Mm-hmm. A week after the first letter. Right, but what I'm saying is... That there was any kind of identification given. No, no, I know, but... I hear what you're saying, but this research doesn't say that. You know, like they called people like the Hillside Strangler, like did... Right, I don't know why they would have done that for this, because he left like a little symbol, which I don't think has anything to do with... Yeah. Maybe it's all the different... (laughs) What? What's so funny? (laughs) I was thinking about a meme that says, if we start naming killers like the small PP killer, yeah. that maybe people yeah. wouldn't murder anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. They give them these epic names. Yeah. Those awesome names. Yeah. It would be like the stupid hat killer or something. Yeah. Don't sensationalize it. Then people won't want to do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the small PP killer. I love it. That's what I would be. <laughs> Oops, sorry. This was the first time, like I said, he used any kind of identification. The letter was a response to the police chief, which I mentioned a minute ago, um, his request for more details that would prove he had killed the people that he killed before. I didn't mention the names, but the people that he had the first letter was associated with. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders, which had not yet been released to the public, Mm. as well as a message to the police that when they cracked his code, they will have me. Mm. On August 8th, one day later, 1969, Donald and Betty, but it's spelled Bet-Yi. Oh. If you if I if we had know someone named Betty that spells it Bet-Yi, I would call her Bet-Yi all the time. No, it's Betty Y E. Yeah. It's Bet Y E. Yeah. So I'd call her Bet-Yi. Harden well, yeah. of Salinas, California cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled message in which the killer seem to reference the most dangerous game. Have you heard of that? Yes. That yes. is one of my favorite stories of all time. It's pretty cool, yeah. It's. Do you want to tell people about it first? How about you? Because you, I didn't know it was a story. I know it's a movie. Well, it, yes. And this movie was based on this short story. Um, it's basically about a man who invites people over to his like own personal island as his guest. But what they don't realize is that he is a hunter and his favorite prey is humans. Yeah. More so challenging. He gives them like a couple little survival tools and then lets them loose in the jungle while he hunts them down to kill them. I love that. It's such a good story. It's like the Hunger Games. Sort of. Yeah. It's a really good story. 
The author also said he was collecting slaves for his afterlife, which is kind of in reference, yeah. we'll find out later, with the big one that was solved in December of 2020, that he was referring to his victims as his slaves that would serve him in oh, the afterlife. So, like, did he, uh, is he assuming he's like collecting their souls or something? I guess, yeah. Ew. No name appeared in the decoded text like he had promised. Um, and the killer said that he would not give away his identity because it would slow down or stop his slave collection. Ugh. Starts to get a little it's, sick and twisted. It, yeah, it's super sick and twisted. <clears throat> All right, so fast forward to October 14th, 1969. The Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a swatch of Paul Stein's shirt tail as proof he was the killer of Paul Stein. It also included a threat about killing school children on a school bus. So again, we're, we're getting a little sicker each time. Yeah. To do this, Zodiac wrote, just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. As a parent, this oh, creeps awful. me a little bit. Yeah. At 2 p.m. on October 20th, 1969, someone claiming to be Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of two prominent lawyers, F. Lee Baby, ba- Baby, wow, <laughs> F. Lee Baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> F. Lee Bailey. I wonder if rather. his wife called him F. Lee Baby. <laughs> <laughs> F. Me, baby. Oh. Okay. <laughs> or Melvin Belly. I wonder if he was thin. Oh, that would be weird. Appear on AM San Francisco, a talk show about. I'm sorry, a talk show on KGO TV hosted by Jim Dunbar. Bailey was not available, but Belly did appear on the show. Dunbar appealed to the viewers to keep the lines open. Eventually, someone claiming to be Zodiac called several times. Yeah, see, I thought there was phone calls. You're right. Belly asked for a less ominous name, and the caller picked Sam. Belly arranged a rendezvous to meet this individual in person outside a shop on Mission Street in Daly City, but no one arrived, of course. Of course. Like he was just going to show up. Seriously. Moving on to November 18th of 1969, Zodiac mailed a card with another cryptogram consisting of 340 characters this time. The cipher dubbed Z-340 remained unsolved for over 51 years until December 5th, 2020. Amazing. It was deciphered. Please tell me it was a woman. It was deciphered by an international team oh, of private okay. citizens, including American software engineer David Oronchak, Ooh. Australian mathematician Sam Blake, and Belgian programmer Jarl van Eyck. This is 2020. Any number of these dudes could be women. I don't know. That's Just true. Saying. I, don't, I don't judge. They could be they. So maybe you're right. In the decrypted message, the Zodiac refuted being the Sam who spoke on AM San Francisco, explaining that he was not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise, again spelled incorrectly, with a C instead of an S, Mm. all the sooner. The team submitted their findings to the FBI, which verified the discovery. The FBI stated that the decoded message gave no further clues to identify Zodiac, however. Oh, come on. Going back to 1969, on November 9th, Zodiac mailed a seven-page later stating that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. I remember this from the movie. Yes. Specifically. Excerpts from the letter were published in the Chronicle on November 12th, including the Zodiac's claim that same day, Officer Don Falk wrote a memo explaining that he had that what had happened that night of Stein's murder. On December 20th, 1969, exactly one year after the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, the Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly that included another swatch of Stein's shirt. The Zodiac said that he wanted Belly to help him this time. Hmm. This guy is creepy. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much like an overview from Wikipedia. Um, Like I mentioned, this is from the Nerdist article from December. That team of codebreakers announced that they had the solution. And I'm going to read you what it said. Are you ready? Oh, so this is the, the letter, the cipher. This is the cipher that took 51 years to decrypt, encrypt. Encrypt is when you do it. Yeah. To decipher. Decipher. <laughs> there you go. Decipher. Get it? It's Are a you cipher. Ready? You're deciphering I'll try it. to read it in a creepy Zodiac voice. No, don't do that. I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. 
because I now have enough slaves to work for me. Where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. Most notably, the Zodiac mentions in that cipher that he was not the person on the TV show and that he's not afraid of the gas chamber. This is a critical detail as somebody who claimed to be the Zodiac had called into that show, like I mentioned, days before the Chronicle received the letter. Hence it being a sign the solution to the cipher is indeed valid. Right. So. Yes. Um, as for acknowledgement of the validity of the solution, it seems authorities approve. The FBI in San Francisco even said on Twitter, where everything's true. Of course. That it was aware that private citizens had solved the cipher. Now if we can just figure out who the Zodiac killer is, we'll be all set. <laughs> Here's what yeah. they wrote. The FBI is aware that a cipher attributed to the, to the Zodiac killer was recently solved by private citizens. The Zodiac Killer case remains an ongoing investigation for the FBI San Francisco Division and our local law enforcement partners. The Zodiac Killer terrorized multiple communities across Northern California, and even though decades have gone by, we continue to seek justice for the victims of these brutal crimes due to the ongoing nature of the investigation and out of respect of the victims and their families. We will not be providing further comment at this time. So or they kind of sort of... Hashtag we feel stupid. I mean, yeah. I don't know how into code breaking the FBI is. You have like a freaking team on this and they didn't do it yet. These private people, citizens, as they call them. The federal government's very lazy. You gotta. Fat and happy. Gotta be sad. Yeah. But so they kind of backhanded, uh, you know, said, yeah, this is valid. But. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got. Awesome. This cipher was exceedingly difficult because the Zodiac's use of transpositions of the encrypted symbols. Right. So the other ones, the shorter ones, a little easier, but this one was difficult. While solvers only needed to figure out the key for the other ciphers, this one, a key was necessary as well as unscrambling of the letters. Oy vey. The Code Breakers' programs had to sort through 650,000 possible reading directions to find the correct one for the cipher. Oh, so they had like a program. Yeah, so oh, that that's, I, cool. that's why it probably it took longer as well. Back then in the 60s, they didn't have this kind of technology. But right. the difference between this one and the shorter ones was it wasn't just about, you remember the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland? You got the little card and you had to figure out the yeah. right. That's a key. They had, to, they had to figure out a key, first of all. Right. The previous ones, all you had to do was have a key, but this one was also scrambled on top of it. So whoever this he or she is, the Zodiac, very smart yeah. and could still be out there alive sure. today. And like I said, he uh, in some of his letters and cards that he dropped off, he put his little symbol, which is kind of like a cross with a circle. That's right. Yeah. Um, and he would put like the symbol 37 San Francisco PD zero. Like yeah. he was keeping a tally and just right. rubbing it in everyone's face. So. Yeah. Kind of a cool story. Check out the movie. Check out all the info out there. There's tons of it. You're going to have lots of good pictures to post of Excited. ciphers and stuff from this one. All right. Well, if you want to see those, make sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And until next week, don't pass by a body thinking that it's a mannequin or write a cipher containing all kinds of misspellings, making it impossible for anyone to solve and keep your head up and look out for each other. Ah.